beautiful, beautiful. Just enjoy so much praising the Lord. Enjoy praising the Lord all by myself. And then I really enjoy praising the Lord with you guys. Brandon just kind of alluded to it in his prayer, um, but I just want to say, you know, as this, as we're celebrating this uh, Memorial Day, this Memorial Day weekend and tomorrow, uh, let's remember those who died in serving our country and uh, just remember them and uh, don't go through tomorrow without thinking of them and appreciating them, saying a prayer for families that are dealing with grief from, from that. Uh, also, I just want to kind of reiterate um, that next week we're having a great service. I know it's going to be great because we're going to have baptisms, and whenever we have baptisms, it's great, right? Amen. So we're going to have a couple baptized, and we're really excited about that, looking forward to celebrating with them, and just really, you know, as a church family coming together to do that is just a very special time, and um, we're just going to celebrate with each other and enjoy that time, but also, we have a few that are going to give testimony to what the Lord has done in their life, and uh, boy, you're not going to want to miss this. Uh, there's some really great things to hear about what God is doing and what He's done, and so, um, what's the old saying? Um, be there, be square. You got to... You got to be here next week, you know, and, and take part in this because it's going to be great and I'm looking forward to it. Um, have you ever, have you ever heard that saying, uh, you can lead a horse to water, <laughs> but you can't make him drink, right? You ever heard that? Yeah. It's kind of, I think it's probably a pretty old saying. I don't know. The reason I think it's a pretty old saying is because I remember hearing it when I was a kid, so uh, I think it's probably a pretty old saying. But uh, I think there's some truth in it. And, you know, um, do you know that the Lord has done, has done everything that he can to open it up to us to pray to him, to commune with him, to communicate with him? God has made every way possible for us to do that. There's nothing holding us back. It's like he's led us right to the edge of the water. And it's up to us to drink. Right? Does that make sense? The problem is that we, we don't. Not near enough. Not like we should. I want to share a scripture with you. This is Mark chapter 11 and uh, 15 through 18. And, you know, just... Starting out with the scripture, this may sound like an odd scripture to start out with, uh, talking about prayer, but you'll see, you'll see where we're going with it. Uh, Jesus walking into the temple, and uh, so uh, the pronoun he is referring to Jesus. So um, let's, let's uh, see this together. Starting in verse 15, going to read through 18, and just see uh, just exactly uh, what Jesus did as he walked into the temple. They came to Jerusalem, and he, Jesus, 
went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He was teaching them, is it not written, my house will be called a house of For all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. The chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to kill him. For they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. Pretty neat, huh? In this scripture, Jesus is angry. Wow. What makes Jesus angry? Because we... Typically, when we think of Jesus, we don't think of anger, right? Uh, I imagine in your prayers, you don't go through the list of the attributes of God and say, thank you, God, that you're angry. (laughs) And yet, Jesus is angry here, and there's a reason. There's a lesson for us in it. I I love the fact that he, uh, he takes the... The money changers and those who were selling animals for the sacrifice in the temple. And, and, and they were doing so not, not to uh, provide a service, but to make a profit. And so Jesus is angry because these people who are doing these things are hindering worship. And so what makes Jesus angry? Anything that hinders worship. That ought to get our attention this morning, shouldn't it? I think it should. Because, you know, sometimes I think we, we have a tendency to hinder worship instead of helping it. Helping it along, taking part. We're sometimes, and I'm, I've been guilty of this, um, I remember there's been times that I've been at like a, a convention or, or you know, a, a, a general assembly or something of that nature, and, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll start singing songs, and the uh, first song, I don't know the words, I don't know the tune, and I think, you know, okay, I don't know this song, and then the second song comes, and I don't know the words, I don't know the tune, it's like, okay, I don't know any of these songs, and and I have a tendency to get in that mindset of, I don't know any of this, so I'm just going to stand here. And why don't they play something I know? Come on now. I mean, are you, have you ever been there? I have. And, and when I find myself in that situation, when I find myself doing that or having that mindset or having that attitude, the Holy Spirit kind of checks me. And he says, who are you here for? Right? Who are you here for? And, and I find it isn't that the music is hindering worship. It's my attitude that's hindering worship. So you, you see what I'm saying? When I say Jesus was angry about that which was hindering worship, that ought to get our attention, right? So he's angry at these money changers. Uh, their motive was purely selfish. 
And they were actually making it difficult for those who were not, will, uh, not wealthy to pay their tribute to God. And so uh, they were making it difficult for those who needed to purchase the smallest of sacrifice to not be able to afford to purchase the smallest of sacrifice. And so Jesus says these words, and, and, and these words, um, we think that, that he's just um, pulling those, these words out of the air, like he's thinking of these words right now. But actually he's quoting from the Old Testament. He's actually quoting from the Old Testament when he says, is it not written? Okay, so this is something that has been written already. And he's referring back to the Old Testament. Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? And then he says, but you have made a den of thieves. He's actually quoting from uh, Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11 there. And so if you have your Bible and you open it there to our scripture text in Mark 11, uh, verse 17, you might want to just kind of, if you don't have a cross-reference Bible, you might want to just kind of write in the margin there that uh, that is actually a reference from the Old Testament. I'll give it to you again, Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11. Okay, so Jesus is quoting from Scripture and he's saying, my house uh, will be called a house of prayer. And Jesus was angry uh, more specifically, I think, because of what he says here, more specifically because prayer was being hindered. Prayer was being hindered. So that's, that's interesting for us. Now, prayer is vital to true worship of God. All right? Uh, God desires prayer from his people. You guys are either not agreeing with me this morning, or you're just determined not to say anything, or, you know, but if you agree with some of the things I'm saying, you can say like, amen, it kind of helps, you know. Thank you. <laughs> God cherishes prayer because he cherishes his people communicating with him. He loves that. It is, it is his people communing with him, and prayer is God's people connecting their hearts with his heart. It is his people trusting him, expressing their heart to him, just, you know, sharing their life with him. And that is why we were created, right? Weren't we created to, to just be in communion and, and share our life with the Lord? That's why we're here. Now, people get it all wrong, they, and, and that's really where sin begins, is when people think that we're, we're here for ourselves. When we get into the mindset that we're here for us, that's where sin starts. And so when we get in the mindset that, no, we're not here for ourselves, we're actually here for God, we're actually here to worship Him, to be in communion with Him, to share life with Him, now we're hitting the mark. Now we're, we're right there where God wants us to be. That, that's why we were created. And so prayers, you can see how prayer is just a very vital part of that. You know, so, so communing with God is so important. Anything which hinders such an essential part of our relationship with God is something that Jesus may overturn in our life. <laughs> Now, I'm going to say that again because some of you are, uh, you have your heads down, and I'm not sure you're paying attention. 
this is so important. This is so important. Anything which hinders our communion with God, our time with God, our relationship with the Lord, our, our moments with the Lord in which we're sharing our life with Him, and we're doing that through prayer. Anything which hinders that may be something that Jesus may overturn in our life. So we, we get this picture of Jesus coming in the temple, and he's overturning tables. In other uh, uh, parts of Scripture where it talks about this, uh, it says that he made a whip and drove people out. Okay, so Jesus was truly angry about this. He was truly angry about this. And I believe that he gets truly angry about things in our life that hinder our communion and our relationship with him. And those things may be things that he actually overturns in our life. He said, well, I wonder why this is happening in my life. I wonder, I wonder why this isn't working out. I want to do this over here, but it just doesn't seem like it's working out. Maybe the Lord is overturning that thing in your life. That has to be a consideration. Right? Uh, in, your, in your handout, and, and for those of you online, in your digital bulletin with the sermon notes, um, we see that there are some things, and I just put some things, not, not everything, but some things that uh, keep us from praying. Unrepentant sin, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on all these, I could, but it just take too much time. Uh, unrepentant sin, paralyzing guilt, sense of unworthiness. A sense of distance from God, spiritual neglect, worldly-mindedness, excessive sorrow, neglecting prompts, dissatisfaction, false notions, spiritual laziness. All of these things can hinder us from praying, keep us from praying. And when these things are present in our life, sometimes we just kind of like, uh, we abandon prayer or we just kind of like put it off. And have you ever gotten to the point where you put it off one day and then you put it off another day, and then you, before you know it, you realize you haven't really prayed for the whole week. You haven't really come to the Lord the whole week. But I think one of the biggest ones is a lack of believing that God truly cares about us. I really believe that. I believe sometimes we just have a hard time believing that God really cares about us. Little old me, what's going on in my life? Little old me with this dumb Achilles. Does God really care? Sometimes I have a hard time believing that he does, that he does. I'm going to focus on that last one a little bit. Um, here's some truths about prayer. Prayer believes the God of all creation takes a personal interest in me. Now, now, some of this is going to, you know, maybe you've never thought of it this way. And so some of it's going to make you think, wow, I never thought of that. And that's one of them. I think, you know, the God of all creation has a personal interest in me. That's amazing. The idea of prayer rests on an enormous belief that when we address the God of the universe, he listens to what we say. The God of the universe listens to us when we whisper a prayer. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fantastic? 
Um, prayer involves confidence that God takes interest in the lone individual who lifts their heart and voice to God in prayer. I, I thought about this uh, as, as I was studying for the sermon. I thought, you know, so there's 100,000 people. You ever been in a crowd of 100,000 people? Anybody? If you've been to a Buckeye game, you've been, to, you've been in a crowd of 100,000 people, right? I, was, I told you guys, I was at the Cleveland Cavaliers championship parade. They estimated like 800,000 people that day. It was crazy. But imagine this, you're in a crowd of 100,000 people, and it's a commotion, and they're all cheering, or they're all booing, or whatever. They're all clapping, and they're all, yeah, you know, and 100,000 people doing that. That's loud, right? Because I was just loud, and I'm just one, right? So 100,000 people doing that. And let's say one person lifts a whisper to God. In all that commotion, God hears that whispered prayer. Isn't that amazing? It's fantastic. Our scripture text shows us this fact. It shows us, it shows us these things. Now, these are overwhelming thoughts. <laughs> these are overwhelming thoughts without the scriptures, which tell us that God does care about the lone individual. These are thoughts that without the scriptures, I believe we, would, we wouldn't believe this. Uh, without the scripture, if we didn't have this, would you believe it if I just came before you and said, the God that created everything hears you when you pray? If we didn't have the scriptures, would you believe me? I don't think you would. But the scriptures testify to that fact. The scriptures tell us that that is true. Uh, Jesus cared for the individual. When we see Jesus, he's actually walking around uh, and interacting with people. And the one that sticks out in my mind, there are several examples, but the one that sticks out in my mind is when he's on the road and he's walking along, he's surrounded by a crowd of people, and the, the lady tugs on the hem of his robe. Now, we all know he could have just kept walking. Why wouldn't he just keep walking? He's surrounded by people, and he just feels like a little tug. Why wouldn't he just keep walking? Because he really does care about the one person, the one individual that nobody else cares about, right? So we see this over and over again in the way that Jesus handled himself, the way that Jesus showed himself in ministry. We see it time and time again. Jesus was angry not because the institution of the church was being hindered in prayer and worship. He was angry because individuals who were less fortunate, the poor, the destitute, those individuals were being hindered in prayer and worship. That's why Jesus was angry. Because of those individuals. It's, it's amazing. Now, I'm just going to run through some scriptures here. Uh, they're not on the screen. Uh, you could write them down if you want. You can scribble them down as I say them. But uh, just some, some things. Uh, the fact, for example, that the Bible is a book full of prayer, it is full of prayer, involves of necessity the companion fact that the God of the Bible cares for individuals. He knows all the stars by name, right? It says that in Psalm 147.4. He numbers the hairs on our head, and some he has to count more than others. 
But he knows each one. He knows each one. That's Matthew 10, 30. Of all the sparrows, not one of them is forgotten in the sight of God. Luke 12, 6. John in John 10, 3 is expressing his thought of God as well as his understanding of Christ when he calls his own sheep by name. God is like a shepherd who misses uh, one lost sheep uh, and, and is like a housewife who seeks uh, for a single coin. He's like a father who, who grieves and watches for that one lost son, all in, in uh, Luke 15. Of all the children in the world, Jesus said, it is not the will of your father that one of these little ones should perish in Matthew 18, 14. I'm telling you, there are examples throughout all of Scripture that God cares about the one, the individual. He cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about all the details of your life. He cares about everything that's going on in your life. And you say, is that possible? The God of creation cares about all of that with me? Yeah, it's possible. And that's what the Word of God tells us. It shows us that over and over again. So uh, even though God's word tells us this, we have a hard time believing that God cares about us individually. Let's look at uh, Psalm 8, 3, and 4. Psalm 8, 3, and 4. And I, we're just going to read a few scriptures, uh, make some quick comments, um, and, and move on. But it, it says in Psalm 8, 3, and 4, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? And, and I love that scripture because the psalmist is saying, God, I look at the planets, I look at the moon, I look at the stars, and, and I'm in awe of what the creator has done, right? you in awe of what the creator has done? I mean, sometimes the sky is just, like, incredible, and you think, and I'm colorblind, and so I don't see it as well as maybe some people, but even me, a colorblind person, I look at the sky sometimes and say, wow, what artist is there that could do that, you know? That's, that's incredible. But you look at all of that and amaz these amazing celestial bodies, and God actually cares more about little old me. Just a speck in the universe, but giant in the heart of God. I love that. Our songs indicate such a love of God uh, for the individual. There's a song that says, were the whole realm of nature mine. Okay, so everything in nature, it's mine. It's mine to give. It's mine to have, okay. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Right? So it's as if it's, it's saying that uh, if you could give the beauty of the Grand Canyon and the Grand Tetons and the the Redwood Forest and Yosemite National Park and the White Cliffs of Ireland, the mountains of the Himalayas, the sunsets over all the oceans, the rainforests of South America. If you could give all of that as a present to God, somehow wrap it up and hand it to God, say, here it is, God, it would not even compare to you saying, here I am, God. I'm yours. 
little old you, little old me, mean everything to God. John 17, 20 through 23. This is a, a fantastic scripture. It, it, um, when we started this prayer se- series, we started talking about what we call the Lord's Prayer. And we read through it and we talked about how to pray and how it instructs us to pray. And, uh, and then uh, Pastor Jeff did a great job last week of also taking it and using it in a way that helps us to, to know how to pray. And it's so important to, to, do, to know how to pray. Um, but when you get to John 17, it's like Pastor Jeff said last week. Um, that's not, we've, we've labeled that the Lord's Prayer. That's not really the Lord's Prayer. John 17 is really the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> John 17 is a prayer of Jesus. And I love to read through it because he prays for things. And, and as he prays for things, I think it really matters what Jesus prayed for. Does it matter to you what Jesus prayed for? I think so. So this is what Jesus was praying. This is his prayer. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. He's praying for us there. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That's just fantastic. Did you did you catch that last phrase? Jesus prayed for us and he prayed that the Father would love us the way that the Father loves him. I, I don't know what that does for you, but that's like amazing to me. That's incredible to me. I, when I read those words, I'm thinking, Jesus, you, you, you really prayed that, that the Father would love us with the same love that he loved you? If, if the Father loves us that deep, that, that wonderfully, To me, that gives me some boldness and some confidence to go to God in prayer. Because I know I'm going to to a God that loves me in a way that's like, can only be compared to the love of the Father and the Son. The Trinity. Two-thirds of the Trinity there. That's amazing. All right, Romans 8, uh, 14 through 17. Uh, is another great scripture. It says, for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. Uh, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So Paul tells us in Romans here that we are God's children. Now, um, let me ask you this. If, if your child um, wants to talk to you, do you want to listen? Yeah? Now, now please, I, I, I totally get, Barbie and I had kids. 
we, we had kids. We understand that there's times that you're talking to somebody and they're, they're, they're pulling on your pant leg. Dad, 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 dad. Could you wait, please? I'm even talking to this person. You know, I get that. I, I understand that. I really do. I, I get that. But we love to hear our children's voice. We love to hear them come to us and want to talk to us. Now, I understand I'm giving an illustration that not everybody maybe can identify with, but, but it's an illustration not really for us to understand in a, in a sense of family, but to us and to understand the sense of the Father, God the Father. God loves to hear our voice. We're his children. We're his children. And so uh, Timothy Keller, who just passed away, a great preacher, uh, he just passed away uh, just this past week or the week before. I think it was the week before. But uh, he, he gave this illustration one time, and I remembered it. He said, who can enter the king's bedroom in the middle of the night and ask for a drink of water? Only his child, right? Because if anybody else does that, they might lose their head. <laughs> right? But if that little one enters the king's chamber in the middle of the night and says, Daddy, can I have a drink of water? That king is like, oh, he doesn't want to get out of bed. You know, it's the middle of the night. He woke him up, but he's going to get out of bed and he's going to get him that drink of water, right? We can go to God anytime, any moment. He's our father. We are his children. He loves us that much. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. All right, just one more scripture. Hebrews 4, uh, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Isn't that great? Oh, man, I love that scripture. I love that scripture. Knowing how much God cares for you, are you ready to approach his throne with boldness? Uh, this scripture tells us that Jesus went ahead of us, and he's at the throne of the Lord, interceding on our behalf. Interceding on our behalf. And so when we're praying, we're actually praying, and Jesus is listening and Jesus is hearing what we're praying, and it says that he was tempted in all ways that we were, yet without sin. And so who better to intercede for us? Who better to speak to the Father on our behalf? Say, uh, Father, I understand what they're going through. I understand how it feels to be in that human flesh. I understand what it's like to endure such agony such difficulty, such grief. I understand what it's like for them, Father. We're approaching God, and Jesus is interceding on our behalf. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. God cares about you. Pray with confidence this morning. Pray knowing that you are worth more to him than all of nature. All of nature. Pray, knowing and believing that Jesus has prayed already that the Father would love you 
just like he loves him. Pray this morning knowing that you are a child of the king, a child of the king, and pray knowing that Jesus is interceding on your behalf. Now, here's, here's where it comes down to, and, and like Doug said, uh, this, is, this is the last uh, sermon in this prayer series. And um, so we talked about how to pray. We've talked about Jesus and his, his model. We've talked a lot about a, a lot of different things concerning prayer. But it really does come down to this. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can teach somebody to pray. Doesn't mean they're going to pray. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't the horse drink? <laughs> Why wouldn't we drink? I hope that this series has prompted you to pray more. I hope that it has. But I hope today that you're realizing that there's a sweetness in prayer. You're talking to one that loves you so much, cares about your every need, knows every little detail of your life. You think, I'm sad, and, and God doesn't know it. God knows when you're sad. He knows when you're having trouble. He cares about you when you're having trouble. He cares about that trouble. You say, well, he hasn't bailed me out. No, but as you pray, he's walking by your, by your side. Walking by your side. That's, that's part of the great, that's one of the great parts of Psalm 23, right? When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Amen. Amen. Let me, uh, let me pray for you, but I want to invite you to pray. I want you to invite you to just come pray. Uh, maybe you want to, maybe you want to come and pray that the Lord will help you to develop more of a prayer life. Because honestly, I believe that, that the better our prayer life, the, more, the stronger, the stronger our walk with God. If you've ever thought, I just don't know why I'm struggling in my, in my walk with God. Are you praying enough? Are you, are you praying all the time? Are you, are you consistently praying and getting in, alone with the Lord? It's a vital part of it all. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, as we conclude, God, we're just, uh, we're just so thankful this morning that you love us, that you care about us. Lord, there, there's so much going on in people's lives and some people are on mountaintops right now, and they're just praising you. Things are great in their life, and things are really going well. And what a great time to, to be in communion with you and just talk to you and praising you and thanking you and giving you glory and walking with you. And then there's some that are on the other end of that spectrum, Lord. They just feel like they're grinding it out. They feel like they're struggling. They feel like they've been through it. And they, they're just really, um, they're having a hard time. And I pray that 
both ends of this, of this spectrum and everyone in between will just realize the sweetness, the greatness of prayer, of communing with you, of lifting our hearts to you. Lord, that they will truly believe that the God of all creation cares about them when they lift up a prayer, maybe a simple prayer of help me. Maybe a simple prayer of, Lord, carry me. Help me to feel your presence. Help me to feel your love. Help me to identify your blessings. Lord, wherever each individual is at this morning, I just want to pray that there will become a, a desire, a deep desire, a passion within the depths of their being to pray, to come to you often, to come to you on a regular basis and lift their heart to you and have this sweet communion with you, this sweet communication, this time in which they're sharing their life with you. That they are both giving you praise and receiving from you the things in which they need. That this may be a time that the, the, the prayer life of our congregation will grow in leaps and bounds. And Lord, I believe that if that happens, there will be some awakening, some reviving, some renewing, some refreshing. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for how you come to us, speak to us. Thank you for your word that has made some things clear this morning. We just pray and ask, Lord, that it will do its diligence in our heart and mind and our life. In Jesus' name.